Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers! Cheers! Hi everybody, I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy, and welcome to 51 First Dates, the podcast about dating that doesn't have a tagline. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we were just talking offline about how we don't have a tagline, and Kimmy thinks we should have one, but I kind of think it adds to our unpolished, casual vibes. Casual vibes, cool girl vibes, like, yeah, unpolished, Gen Z vibes. <laughs> exactly. You <laughs> wish I was a member of Gen Z. But Ugh, hello. Same. Hi, Liza. Hi, everybody. Hello. Hi, world. Whatever, people listening. Um... It is, you know, all happening here. We have a hot new app. We're interviewing Molly Lida, who is a life coach and relationship expert. And we just chatted with her. We had a great conversation and talked about a lot of really interesting stuff uh, and talked about like masculine, feminine energy and how to like embrace the good things about it and how like how to what what are the signs of a successful relationship? Um, It was... She's very a- inspiring. <laughs> sorry. 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 I can't talk. I'm not good at talking, which is tricky for someone who has a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're perfect at talking. I interrupted. But she is also a therapist, and I thought she had some great actionable advice items that I was like, oh, shit, if I had been doing that when I was in the thick of my 20s. That's the other thing is we talked about wisdom a bit, and this – I don't know. This will have been out for a little bit, but there was a a cut podcast with Jenny Slate out um, in November and I listened to it and kind of one of the big takeaways was just like your 20s are your teens. Like we all expect our 20s to be like we're wise and we know everything, but like again, only recently into 31 years of age, but I do feel like my 20s were just my teens, but I expected them to be like I have everything figured out. Yeah. And my 30s, I feel like, are what I thought my 20s would be. Yes, yes. And Jenny Slate put it adorably and like quirkily, and you should listen to that cut podcast, but you should still listen to ours. But I don't know. I kind of was thinking about that as we talked to Molly about she's coached so many different people at different stages in their life and how certain things are just universal truths, but also it gets better. I think it gets better. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like it took me longer to accomplish all of the things I thought I would accomplish, which is like any means of any measure of financial security, like a relationship I like, like a a home I feel comfortable in, like all that shit took me seven to 10 years longer than I thought it would take me. (laughs) And I haven't accomplished all those things. So um, I mean, it took me seven to 10 years longer. Maybe it took me 15 years longer just to accomplish this like solid relationship really so just that one box took me all of the time to realize was possible and I still feel like a tiny baby plenty of the time for example I had insomnia last night and I was up in the middle of the night and I ate half a box of like a large box of I ate like 15 pieces of Halloween candy like my teeth hurt because it was so sugary and that was a thing that I thought I you know in the middle I was like I should be able to stop this well, and I didn't. 
you know what? So I, this past weekend, you know, I turned the big three one, and I had about fifteen vodka sold- sodas. I was just like, I should be able to stop this, and I didn't. No, just kidding. Don't worry about me. But I just like sometimes you're still gonna be a child or a twenty one year old in college. So it's your birth. I mean, doing that on your birthday is acceptable at any age. I feel strongly about that. Fight me. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. All of a sudden. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'm drunk. Okay, it's happening. Ugh. 31, Birthdays baby. are the best. No one can have any any feelings about how drunk you are. You know, I threw up on my last birthday. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah. There was not anyone, anything. Nobody could say a goddamn thing. Um, however, uh, this is a dating podcast and not a birthday, podcast. A birthday podcast. Although, no. Actually, the most important thing is happy birthday, Kimmy. Oh, fuck that. This is coming out so much later, but thank you. Sorry. Fuck that. <laughs> Wait till you hear I mean, our, yeah, our enlightened but, conversation uh, about receiving. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm saying fuck that when Liza, thank you, Liza. Thank you. Um, no, it's only because I just realized in the middle of that conversation, I was like, no, yeah, let's not talk about birthdays. And I was like, oh, no, birthdays are important. And it was your birthday. So that's a big deal. Um. However, however, skis, uh, we're gonna we're gonna read a post, right, and and chat about it a little bit, and then we're gonna go into our lovely conversation with Molly, and that's our order of operations for the day. Yeah, thank you all for <laughs> subscribing, reviewing, especially because I know you all took a minute to review in the past week, and we're so grateful. We're recording this ahead of time, so I'm just thank you all for following us at Five One First Dates Pod on Instagram. I'm just doing it now. I know. Liza's looking no, at me like it's I'm a the nut. Best. <laughs> no, not at all. I, the thing is, is, I was pulling up the tab of the thing we were going to read. So I, the, the blank stare into space is me blankly staring at the secret Facebook group. Um, however, yes, thank you for doing all those things. And please also email us if you feel like it at 51firstdatespod at gmail.com. You can send your worst first date stories, your best first date stories, your ghosting stories, your paper clipping stories, your breadcrumbing stories, your any other millennial <laughs> dating term stories to us there Liza, or share them in the secret Facebook group. Is there a creative way to make the make submitting Liza has better creative ideas than I do? We're just going to spit all this out loud and maybe cut it out if it doesn't come up with anything. But to make reviewing more fun, like if we make a theme to the reviews that you leave on Apple Podcasts, I know they sound tedious, but they mean so much. And we appreciate them but is there anything fun maybe the listeners should tell us what would be fun like yeah not opening lines but like what's a genuine thing you'd want to read other people's comments of like it doesn't have to be like this podcast is great though we really appreciate that but just something like you all write in your i don't know i I feel like comment with your favorite emoji no yeah or do the emoji the pizza or taco do an opening line in emojis something or something <laughs> we just added the like best five more layers of difficulties to getting reviews but <laughs> <laughs> i know i know that's the whole point see yeah that's that's not an easier thing however um reviewing really does take like such a short amount of time like it it takes you can do it in under a minute you don't need an, an account or anything just go to the podcast app tap it in you don't even have to type anything you can literally just put the stars if you want um although typing is nice even if it's just good or bad or 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 eh, whatever um and it helps us out so much it helps us get guests it helps us uh, uh, in the algorithms it helps new listeners find us it helps people take us seriously it helps um my my parents love me and not question what i'm doing no i'm just kidding uh <laughs> but 
all those things. So 31 really and still it. podcasting. And with- still <laughs> just seeking approval. Um, yeah. So that would be amazing if you could do that. Yes, thank you. And I know we seem greedy, but it's because we've seen how much it helps. And thank you in advance. Truly. Um, in the meantime, we're going to read – we have been mentioning the secret pod, secret podcast, the secret Facebook group. <laughs> I um, want to make a secret podcast. <laughs> I know. Ooh. If we did, we would definitely post about it in the secret Facebook group. Um, <laughs> but – uh, we're going to read a post from there and chat about it a little bit before our interview with Molly, um, because it was definitely something that prompted some conversation and debate, and it's a very gray area, and that'll be interesting to talk about. Uh, Kimmy, Chef's do you want to read it? Chef's kit. Oh, I, I was trying to do, <laughs> you know what I was trying to do is a tongue pop, you know, like on Drag Race, they all like, it's like a thing to emphasize your point, but oh, yes. it came okay. out as a chef's kiss. Chef's so kiss. Mwah. Clearly, these- my drag my drag career is not going to take off because I can't <laughs> can't do anything. Neither will our podcasting careers because we're making mouth noises on a podcast. Exactly. Sorry, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I for sure can read this. Okay. So, TLDR. <laughs> I'm gonna just. It feels really weird. What should I say instead of that? Um, we can just read the body of it because we're going to read the whole thing. Okay. That, thank you, Liza. Liza's looking at it as I'm looking at it. Okay. Great. Okay. This is kind of long, but need advice. There's a guy I've known for a few years as acquaintances slash friends of friends. He came up on my hinge back in the summer, and for some weird reason, I just had a re- realization that I actually like him. Anyway, that was about four months ago. I messaged him on Hinge just saying hi, asked how he was, and we exchanged maybe two or three messages, but he was taking days to reply, so I stopped bothering with it. Then I was at a club with him four weeks ago. Thurb. Sorry. <laughs> we were super <laughs> drunk, and I jokingly brought up that we'd messaged on Hinge and that I like him. He kissed me, gave me his number, and said the ball is in my court. He also followed me on Instagram the next day. Oh, by the way, this guy is extremely shy, like I am the outgoing one of the two of us, and I am shy. So, I text him a couple days later and ask if he wanted to go for a drink. He took a whole day to reply and agreed, but didn't seem overly enthusiastic. We exchanged a few texts, arranging the date, but he was taking literally 12 plus hours to reply to each one, so I knew it wasn't good. News. I knew it wasn't good news. He canceled on the day of... Let me try that again. He canceled on the day of, like hours before, because of quote-unquote work and said he was free the week after. I basically said, no worries, cool, let me know. He never did until almost three weeks later. He messaged me during work hours, so I knew he wasn't drunk. Well, you don't really know. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. He apologized for being busy with work and said he's free all of this coming week. We've now rearranged the date for tomorrow, but I feel really weird about it because I'm worried he doesn't want to go. He's been better at texting this time round, British I think, but still takes hours and hours. I don't get why he'd bother to come back after this long if he wasn't interested. He had the opportunity to just not date me at all, but he made a choice to eventually text me back. What do you guys think is going on here? Do we need a TLDR? I mean, I think that's very strange like in i'm saying it's very strange in the way that like i also have no idea that's a really confusing situation because it's true it's like you put it 
back in his I mean, I think it's weird and a cop out for someone to be like, it's in your court, it's in your court, like li- always leaving things in your court. But then I like that you were like, great, let me know then. And and like then he did. It, it, it's very strange. What do you think, Kimmy? I don't I'm know. I'm gonna give, I think I'm going to give two hot takes, like a okay. good and a bad. But first off, I just want to say I love this like entire outlook. I'm swiping. I know this guy. I decide I like him. I fucking tell him at the club. I just like that. Yeah. Generally, very pro. Yeah, okay. that's badass. Negative hot take first. This is a case of, and again, I think I'd probably need to reread all the little details, but at that point, it's kind of like, what does this actually boil down to? The negative hot take would be, it's not even a hot take, but the negative take I think is he is wanting is interested in you in some way, shape, or form, is not super – wants to keep you around for the the future, is not sh- super sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think men yeah. do this. I've been the woman, a man, many men have done this too. Just like, you're on my I, – I text you these little nibbles, so here's a snack, so you come back. Like, here's a snack. He's not even doing that. I just think it feels like the same mentality of – yeah, he's shy, but like he's doing these weird things so that he's not totally making this an ended situation, but he's not putting enough effort in that you're that that's worth your time. Yeah. The positive take, he's just shy. He's afraid of being vulnerable. He's dealing with a lot of the shit some of us are dealing with in dating. There could be other things going on in his life. Uh the fact that he is actually rearranging and thus far following through or rearranging when he doesn't follow through, hopefully continuing to follow through, means that it's something else. It's not about him like just wanting to keep you around. It's actually about him just like being afraid of dating or something. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think both of those avenues are totally like plausible. I feel like to pile on to the negative one, I – feel like I have seen guys use the ex- use shyness as like a way of actually being withholding of like leaning on being shy mm. to not give people like what they deserve and want and need. And I say that with like a lot of sympathy and empathy for shy people because I can be both I'm a Gemini, so I can be both very extroverted and also feel Kimmy's seen me in some like big group situations where I don't know a lot of people like I cling to anyone I know like I have a lot of like fear around that and I am not saying this as a I don't want to degrade shy people is what I'm saying because like I I think obviously that's very legitimate and most people don't do this but I think that the long long like text gaps and the stringing you along in between those times is a slight sign of disrespect yeah. And I feel like someone, you know, mentioned they were listening to our half relationships episode and kind of the point I guess we settled on like a million days ago, it feels like. But just being if it's causing you anxiety, if you have doubts, like fuck it, save your time and move on. But the thing is here, it's not a half relationship. It's it's not even a first date. But it are, I mean, it annoyed you enough to post in the secret Facebook group, which is where I'm kind of like, eh, maybe this is like, whether it's just because he's shy or not, like, he's just not for you. Um, yeah. 
I mean, I think that it's probably positive that you're still going on the date if I mean, because this is someone, you know, from the wild and you like in the wild. I think that's enough of a reason to go on one date, especially if he set this one up. Um, I would say that, like, he's used all his chips, you know, like, I think, like, it has to be really, really, like, good and not weird from here on out. Yeah. Uh, Like, these are all of his uh, his chances that he's used up, like, for you to give him the benefit of the doubt. I totally agree with that because even if you get on a date and like then there's weirdness after that first date to the second one, you just don't, this will like set a weird precedent in terms of like the dynamic, if that makes sense, not to be too, uh, I don't know, pretending I'm a psychic about it. But I think, yeah, when something, it's similar to when people text on an app for a while and develop chemistry and then are, you know, why did it never become a date? And I was that person. It's, uh, well, well, this the tone it starts with is likely not going to go away right away. It could, it could, but that's my thought. I yeah. also, this poster was like, I feel like a clown if this, you know, was him just, you know, with trying to keep me around. Um, she said, this was the first time I've asked someone out and it fully knocked my confidence and a very other sweet poster in the group, like, said it better than I could, but was just like, this isn't for you. You were brave. This is on you. This isn't about you. You were brave. You were bold. And I completely agree with that. I just want to say again, it fucking sucks. Have been there when you ask someone out and you're like getting weirdness, but you actually like them and you have traction with them and you're maybe you've set up this wishy-washy bullshit is just so frustrating. It's almost more frustrating than asking someone out and just getting like crickets, I would say, because yeah, it takes not, more of your time. It takes more of your time. And also, yeah, it's 100 percent. This is the good part about being it being not a half relationship. It's so early. It's just before our first date. It is 100 percent not about you. And we talk yeah. about like a lot of this kind of how do you zoom out of a situation like this and actually know what the fuck is going on with Molly later in this episode. So I hope that will be somewhat helpful. Totally. Yeah. And I think that, yeah, just to uh, agree with Kimmy and our poster in the group, like, I think it's really badass that you asked him out. And I think that, you know, if nothing else, like you may not feel in control of his actions, but at least you're in control of yours and are taking control of your actions. Like that to me is the most empowering way to feel is like, well, I tried. I did the best I could. You know, it's it's better than not uh, taking those actions and then regretting it, which is something like I always did kind of professionally when I was like out there trying to date it was like, I'll just wait and see what happens. Like that was like a big thing for me. And you know what? Usually nothing would happen. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's I really admire this because it's it was again until my late 20s and with a podcast and pushing myself that I really ever asked someone out. The first time I ever kissed someone first was in this in this podcast which has been around for 2 years maximum. So props even even if you're old, whatever your age is, props because it's not easy to ask someone out at all and it's badass. So don't let this fucking dude whose actions are like not the best uh knock your confidence because we disagree and we're right 
We're right. But it's so relatable, man. I, yeah, just totally. Maybe you're at least catching this pattern of like, I'm shy, but I'm bad at communicating earlier than later. And yeah, we could be wrong. We could be wrong. And tell us what happens if totally. And be honest with him too. Be like, hey, I get that you're shy, but you have to like be a little bit more communicative or I'm going to assume you're not interested. Yeah. You know, like like sometimes people, uh, shy people also need to be shown that it's okay to speak truth to your feelings you know that that's tendency to make a ton of sense no, but you no, know no. what i mean i think as a sometimes shy person now that i if i really try to give him the benefit of the doubt i'm like okay i was sometimes so shy and green and dating that i would maybe think i was playing some sort of game here but i don't know yeah that's, well i absolutely did that i i would always try to be a little bit like above it because I didn't want to make myself vulnerable. And it took someone literally being like, you're, you kind of, I'm not sure if you like me, you're kind of hot. You run a little hot and cold. Like, do you like me? Which is like my, my current boyfriend, Jeff, <laughs> who did that one, who was just like, I don't really get the vibes. Like, I like you. I think this is going well. Do you like me? And I was like, I do like you. I don't really know why I'm doing that, but I <laughs> literally had to be like, okay, well, can't really wriggle out of this one um and how attractive was that that he did that he what what are we seven years later liza eight years later no six but still still yeah all the same above five (laughs) but yeah i mean it's it was it changed uh, i don't think i am exaggerating when i say it was uh it changed my whole perspective on on dating like that one conversation because I was just like, oh, wait, why am I doing this? I really like him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, you know, you we all protect ourselves. And it was definitely a, a method of protecting myself that I had, had always employed in a lot of like relationships, half relationships, weird things that I wasn't sure where I stood. So I understand where it came from, but it's much better to just be able to say how you feel and then you know, both scenarios can cause like emotional pain. So like I was saying, like it's to to this um, lovely listener slash poster is like, it's better to lay stuff out there and then feel any associated pain rather than, you know, because then at least you're like, feel more in control. Although I say that as someone who recognizes how hard it is. Yeah. And especially, yeah, trying to just understand what is this person's game with me too? And not yeah. to bring up the cut podcast with Jenny Slate again, but more wisdom from her. She was just talking about her fiance, her current fiance, and she has had very public relationships and was married prior or previously. And she was talking, she said, uh, I can't remember exactly, exactly, but it was like, I love him without reservation, without reservation. And that's like, Obviously, you don't have to be, like, without reservation before a first date. But I do think looking at these, like, tiny reservations or or someone who is being withholding and making you start to think about, like, do they have reservations? Like, because Jenny Slate also mentioned, like, and I re- like I feel for the first time that this is a person who also doesn't have any reservations about me either. So mm. I just, again, that's, like, zooming it forward. It's literally because I listened to this podcast episode today. But I... It makes me think about, even in my own relationship, how 
yeah, even early on, not saying it was always perfect, but a lot of these little annoyances of like, does he care or is he just trying to get out of this didn't really come up. Yeah. That's my thing of like, and I feel like we've talked about this before where like the fear of not getting a return text, like the absence of that fear, I think is the earliest sign of like everyone's good relationship. Like all the relationships I've seen work out, a lot of them from this podcast, like listeners we've talked to, you, Kimmy, Katie, like all of these people who have been on who have met someone they really connect with. I feel like the first green flag is, oh, yeah, like I just know he's going to text back in a reasonable amount of time and I'm not worried about it. Like that's a huge deal. And I feel like the absence of that is a red flag. Yeah. Well, thank you for writing in to our lovely poster. And sorry that we dissected that probably too much. And let us know if you do go on the date. Because, again, very interesting. Like, I love this question because it's, like, so early on. But it's, like, you still have a lot of context, weirdly. Because, yeah. And keep us – yeah, definitely keep us updated. And um, for everyone else listening, if you want to get the updates, you should join the Secret Facebook group. This is not just a plug for the Secret Facebook group. But, like, I'm very curious and invested. So I'm going to be checking in probably with with you tomorrow <laughs> um anyway for now uh we're gonna play our um interview with oh we're gonna take a brief ad break and then we're gonna play our interview with molly lida ads 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 and now we are so excited to be joined by molly lida marriage and family therapist and dating coach who we are just so excited to hear about um molly thank you for being here You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be on the show. Thank you. Of course. We are so, so excited to talk to you today. Um, We're going to do, so everyone listening knows, we're going to talk a little bit about kind of uh, like blocks to, like things that get in the way of people finding successful relationships um, and all kinds of lots of fun feelings surrounding that. Um, And in the interim... Uh, I realized we forgot to ask you about this, but do you have a worst first date story to share? No pressure at all. <laughs> yeah, actually, I remember you guys had asked about that. Uh, I do. It's And it actually might kick off another topic that we might talk about. But um, it's uh, a story that includes my many younger years behind me. <laughs> so that's, that's always, I guess, maybe a good about sharing a first date because that's when we're not as wise and don't know ourselves as well. And some of that, uh, but basically it, I think it was within the first year that I'd moved to LA and I've been here for over 20 years as I'm dating myself now. Um, I went out with a guy who was a, was a good friend of um, someone that I'm close to. And I knew he really liked me. There was kind of a group of us that were hanging out together already. And so there was a real comfort. Um, and he, he called me up. He wanted to go out. This is before texting, of course, again, <laughs> um, different age group. <laughs> and uh, he wanted to get together, but he also said, but you know what? I'm kind of low on money. And so I said, okay. And just being a, you know, kind person, um, I said, well, that's okay. I, you know, I can help out or I can cover it or whatever. And that my people pleasing self before I'd done a lot of work on myself, which there's nothing wrong with contributing to a date, but he also was wanting to take me out to have a great time. And yet his things were limited. So we went and had sushi. We had great conversation. I, I covered dinner 
And then he wanted to take me to a party where some of his friends are. It was kind of, we were kind of jumped around throughout the evening. So we stopped at like a 7-Eleven. He said, we should probably bring a bottle of wine and bring something to drink. But he didn't have any cash. I think he actually maybe went to use the ATM and it didn't work. And so he's like, I don't, I said, well, here's some, so I gave him some cash. I don't know. It was like 15 or 20 bucks. And um, I knew that he smoked cigars sometimes just kind of on the side. So he came back to the car had, there was a cigar, he like threw it on the dash of the car and then there was a bottle of wine. So I picked up the cigar just because I don't, I don't I'm not around them very often. I was like, oh, wow, when I looked at it, there was a price tag on it. Like 75% of whatever cash I'd given, given him was spent on the cigar. And then it was like this super cheap bottle of wine. And then we went to the party. It was kind of mellow, cool. He and I were hanging out. Um, and then we left there and he said, well, do you want to go get a drink? I said, yeah, that sounds good. He's like, oh, but I'm out of cash. And I said, well, maybe he'll just have you take me home. So it was this really challenging experience. And yet I know that he, his, his heart was in it. And the good news is we're all still friends. I've known him for a long time. Um, but it was, a, it was a very challenging evening. Yeah. That is a weird move to buy a cigar. Like with all, that's a very very weird move. I mean, at least scrape the price tag off it. Maybe that's worse. I don't <laughs> know. It, the whole thing was like, okay, this is. It just kind of kept topping itself, you know, as the night mm-hmm. went on, and finally, it's like we just got to call it a night. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how many worst first dates do involve money, but I I feel like this specific story, you were being really understanding and really patient, and then it just got to that that topping of itself where it's like this is this is a level beyond what yeah yeah it was super uncomfortable and um, it's always a good story to tell and I'm grateful that um, I'm in a different place in my life so <laughs> yeah. that hasn't something like that hasn't happened in many years so <laughs> yeah it's goodness. always tricky in situations like that too where it's like you're on a date and it's good conversation and obviously he must be like a good person if you're still friends with him after all these years but something like that happens and you're like okay well maybe not for me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it was one of those things where it's like he was um i was attracted to him um as a friend but i i couldn't get past i mean even that that date or no date, there just wasn't um, a spark between us. And so that was another thing that was already kind of working against us, but I was, you know, giving it a try. So. Yeah. That still sounds like very evolved young person dating. You know, I feel like (laughs) I, I still in a relationship, I'm sometimes like trying to be more evolved about tricky topics like money, et cetera. So I, I just think you deserve a lot of credit for that. Mm. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. It's actually a, a question that comes up with my clients. There's a webinar I'm doing with a group of women right now. And somebody brought up like, so what do we do? You know, what's the situation with who pays? Mm-hmm. And I know it's a, there's a lot to be said about that. And it's not as black and white as some people might think. So um, yeah, I don't know what you, the experience has been for you two or, or what your perspectives on it. But um Yeah, I'd love to share a little more. Yeah, I'd love to know your take. This comes up all the time for us and never to a really ideal kind of black and white answer. And I think it's because to your point, it's not. But Mm -hmm. it's this struggle. I feel like we talk about being independent women and feminism, but then also this weird like desire to maybe have someone offer to pay if they asked us out. So I don't think we have a hard and fast rule, but I'd love to know your thoughts, Molly. What's your advice when someone asks you about paying? 
Yeah, I, it's, um, I don't have a hard and fast rule either because it really, we really have to tune in with ourselves. So kind of big picture wise, I can just share that the way that a millennials approach it is one way and it tends to be pretty different than people probably 40 and older. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I work with clients in their 20s up to their 70s. I've, I work with a big range of women. And what what I've found is we first just have to get clear on the inside about what feels best for us. You know, mm-hmm. I, so for me personally, I prefer when a man pays for me. That's something that feels best. It's something I've been around a long time. I think it's something I was raised with. Um, and it's the, the experience of being taken care of by a man feels really good. And I say that with um, also the understanding that this isn't about wine and dine me and, you know, spend all your money on me and just let me take, take, take. It's not that there's something about a man showing up in that way and, and providing, and that's in quotes, because it's, it's one way that he can show up for me that feels really good. And I'm also going to, um, show up and, and serve him in other ways as well, especially once you're, you know, those kind of initial couple, first couple months, I'm going to want to be contributing with some meals. I'm going to be contributing in other ways, making dinner and doing different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do know that men do appreciate when women offer um, just so they know that we're aware. And I know a lot of men out there who was like, there's no way in hell you're going to pay. Like, this is my deal. On the flip side, I know a lot of people, especially on a first date, like they they feel like it needs to be half and half. Like they want to make sure that when they show up that it's not a free ride or that there's both people are making an investment. And so I I get that. I have no other people who are like, no, the first date, you know, as a guy, I've heard I know people have said, like, no, I pay on the first date. And then after that we we go half and half or whatever. Um, but more than anything, it's about you getting clear what feels comfortable for you and then being able to talk about it. I had a conversation with a guy about it on a first date because it came up and the bill showed up and he said, okay, you want to split it? And I had to pause for a moment and I said, um, you know, this is actually something that means a lot to me. And I realized we haven't talked about this, but when a man pays, it means the world. And I understand we didn't talk about this ahead of time. So if you want to split it, I get it. And that's just something that means so much to be able to at least be vulnerable and honest about that. And we had a good conversation. It didn't, nothing terrible happened. I think we did end up splitting it. Um, He said he would want to pay, but then I just wanted to be nice and, and the people pleaser. So there's always that that we get to manage. Um, So those are a couple ideas. I don't know what, what your experience has been or thoughts you might have. Yeah, I think what resonates a lot with me is that if I was my most honest self for getting 2019, being PC, anything, there's a part of me that just whatever it was, if it was the Disney movies, if it whatever impacted me to want a man to offer and take care of me, especially like kind of acknowledging that this conversation is super heteronormative, I a part of me always feels good genuinely when like that was the case. But when I was going on dates for this podcast specifically, I always offered, especially when I was starting to ask people out, um, I would always make an effort to put my card down. And then also there was this added layer of like, I'm also doing this, 
you know, not in a malicious way. I'm actually genuinely going on these dates, but I'm doing it with this greater project in mind, which feels a little weird, which is something we've dealt with a lot. So I was always like, uh, if I ask them on the date, definitely offering. I will offer to split any all the time anyways. Um, Though Mm -hmm. I've been on a date with someone who was like, oh, I love that move, the woman reaching into her purse like she's really going to offer. And I was like, I was really going to offer. Like, Right, and you got the dated people that, yeah. Yeah, and I feel like there's, it's weird because I feel like some men have a chip on their shoulder about what they're spending on dating, especially in, you know, right now when I think people are dating a lot with, with the apps and I understand that it can get expensive, but I feel like, We've heard of I've never encountered that, but Kimmy, obviously, in that in that story, encountered it. And we've heard other people talk about encountering that feeling of like resentment, which I think is icky. I don't know. I I feel that I, I feel, you know, like we've all said really complicated things about it. When I was dating, I, again, would always offer to split it. And I loved when they didn't let me like I loved and I've told this story before but like my ex-boyfriend would just like pull his card out under the table so when the check came he could just hand it to her and like avoid the conversation and I loved that like I just felt it made me feel so taken care of um that being said like I I think recently maybe I don't know if it was Olivia or uh, someone else we had on recently was talking about being on a first date and knowing there was not going to be a second date, just not feeling it, not not really being enthusiastic and just knowing she would turn down a second date. And in that situation, she was like feeling very uncomfortable about accepting it being paid for. She was like, I wanted to split it because I knew like this I is not I remember hearing that podcast, that episode, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. And it that feels very Olivia-esque. She's like a very embodied woman. woman. Um, <laughs> and I think that's like a I think that's also like a respectable move. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that ultimately, I think, you know, we have to remember, and especially looking at the, the work and the study and the training I've done around understanding masculine and feminine energies and understanding men. And to your point too, Kimmy, about just this heteronormative conversation that we're having, Mm -hmm. um, you know, on very biological levels, men want to make us happy. They enjoy making us happy in whatever ways that might look for them and how they want to make us happy is also dependent on how they experience their fathers or other male figures, you know, interacting with women in that way. And so when we can clue them in, when we can set them up for success, they are all for it. And they, because there's part of, you know, there's some women who are like, what, you think I can't pay? You think I don't, you know, which, which that's us as women really stepping on some level into our masculine, right? Like you, you know, I got me, I got me, but men want to feel needed. They want to find a place where they can show up in our lives and make our lives better, happier, whatever it is. And so sometimes that's, I think men appreciate hearing like, wow, that feels so good when you do that. Thank you so much. And like really appreciating that, like they're going to want to do that again. And not to say that it always has to be that way either. Like they can, they appreciate us, stepping up and, and recognizing um, that it's, you know, it can be a two-way street as well. I think that there's, it's funny because I think that every human, like male or female, feels this desire to feel needed. But with men, it's almost harder for them 
I think with all of the changes that have happened in like male female relationships in the last 50 years, I think it can be harder for men to understand how they fit into being needed. Like, absolutely. And they're not the ones to say, Hey, I don't feel needed here. Totally. Yeah. Or even to acknowledge it internally for themselves to be like, I also want to feel like you, you need me, even if it's just like as an ear at the end of the day, as a, you know, whatever. Um, but I think it can be hard when, uh, you know, our generation of women was raised so like not to need anyone, not to depend on anyone uh, financially, professionally, like uh, domestically, yeah. which I am so grateful for. Like my my mom's a huge feminist and was like, don't need anyone to you should never need anyone to support you financially. You should always be able to. And my mom went through a divorce at a young age. So she was like, you should always be able to, you know, like get an apartment in a city and live, you know, be on your own two feet, whatever. And I'm so grateful for that. But it has taken me time to like bring a wall down and allow people to emotionally support me even. And I think like it can be so tricky to for men to acknowledge that they they need that that they need those inroads whereas i think for women we're used to feeling like needed (laughs) like it's more it's it's easier for us to accept and find the places we're needed and feel really comfortable in that role yeah i think it's more culturally supportive or appropriate or whatever yeah guys don't even recognize that that's actually a thing that's important to them it's hard for them to articulate what isn't working for them in a relationship. And then when there's somebody at the office who's like, oh, thank you so much, or, you know, they're needed in some way, they feel good. And we can get this in all different aspects of our lives. Uh, And it's really important that in those healthy relationships, when we're getting it from each other. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. So I'm very curious. I know you work with, you know, just a wide array of clients, especially when you were just mentioning from 20 to 70, which I'm not sure I even realized the range was that wide. I'm really curious around this question of what gets in the way of finding a successful relationship. Do you see the same roadblocks among all ages, all, you know, I'm all stages of life, maybe I should say, or just curious, yeah, what what do you see most often and does that vary between 20 and 70? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. So the answer is both and. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so there are a lot of the same blocks for sure that are showing up and, and I'll share with, I can share those with you in a moment. Um, and then the differences also are, you know, working with women who have had that long, that longer life experience, who've been down that road, maybe been married and divorced a few times and um, different priorities, right? Just different stages in life and, and recognizing where they're at and what they're wanting just like, you know, with a 20 year old, who's like, it's kind of a new world. And, you know, where am I at with that? And I don't want to be too serious. And, you know, they want to be playful with it as, as they should, you know. So um, as far as things that, that get in the way, um, one of the first things is just your own past, right? It's when we just are looking at our own history, and looking at our own stories around men. So that's something that I'm actually um, exploring with the women in my current webinar, where we're looking at, you know, from the past, like how we understood men when we were growing up in different roles in our lives, then kind of that teenage 20s, you know, just experience of kind of the early dating years, and other things that have fit into it. And, you know, there's a good share of negative things, and there's positive things too. So looking at 
where are we blocking ourselves? Like this old story that I have running around men, like that men are all cheaters, like especially people who have had divorce in their family where maybe one, the parent, the father cheated or they experienced cheating. So trust in yourself is a big one uh, that a lot of times people aren't even aware of. So it's a lot of some of that internal stuff. That's part of why I talk about, like my tagline is doing dating differently because it's about, it's a combination of the internal and the external. Uh, in the process. So beyond that, um, there's also this, the fear of being vulnerable, right? The fear of rejection. So we just put this nice facade on because we don't really want to, we don't want to get hurt. We want to, you know, jump shit before they do. And yet that's where we're often missing these beautiful other moments to be real and to be vulnerable. Um, and maybe the relationship isn't going to work out, but there's a level of aliveness that we experience when we live more on an edge in that way, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, also, lack of vision, that's the other thing. Sometimes people, they think they, they don't know what they want, right? So they step into this, they're like, well, I like this guy and I like that type and I like this type. And when we're not clear on where we're headed with anything else, you know, like um, when you were in college, like there was a probably a career or something you were going for. There was a degree that, you know, we do a lot of planning and goal setting in a lot of other lives, a lot of parts of our lives. And so having a vision for love and partnership and relationship and, and dating for that matter, like let's create a vision just for dating. How do you want the experience to go? Like, I want to have a lot of fun. I want it to be playful. I want to be adventurous. I want it to be hot and sexy. I want to feel my best as often as I can. Like when we step into something with strong intentions, we're more likely to get what we focus on rather than, um, the fears and those other things that sometimes creep in and start driving the ship. Yeah. yeah interesting. It's funny. Cause I feel like that's been such a big part of, of that was such a big part of Kimmy's journey too, was like going from having no vision of dating to having like a, a plan and like a podcast to hold her, her accountable. <laughs> so and it, it did. And like, we've had, you know, a couple new daters on and I feel like I've as like, the the bystander to all of it have seen like the effects that that can have but i think it's so powerful to think about about it as like a vision like it doesn't have to be obviously a prescribed you know go on a date a week or whatever but like looking at it as as a a thing of of what do i want it to look like like how can this be enjoyable for me like and making it about it being a good experience for yourself rather than like I must find my partner now because I'm X age or I want to this by the time I'm this, you know, like, and I feel like that those like results oriented, that result oriented kind of vision, I think can be so like, um, stultifying. Is that a word? I like that word. I like it. It is now. (laughs) I don't know what kind of SAT slash made up, uh, BS that was, but, um, but, to to like add on to that like you you molly were talking about how um the 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 spread and age you see in your clients has a lot to do with life experiences do you feel like there is people who who have more experiences are more knowledgeable about dating or like have more intuitive wisdom about that or is it is that not your experience um yes and no here we go again (laughs) Yes. And in a lot of ways, absolutely. And they're more likely to get clear on what they want. Sometimes uh, when people are younger, they're, you know, more influenced by, you know, this new cool thing or squirrel or shiny or, you know, whatever. (laughs) Um, But on the flip side too, when you've had more life experience, you can be much more jaded. 
you can have a lot more time where you've reinforced a lot of these old dysfunctional, you know, patterns or behaviors or, you know, way that you've been functioning. Um, and that can shift and it can change. Absolutely. And, and sometimes I have to be, you know, give a lot of tough love to, to a number of my clients, but especially even, you know, sometimes it is ones who are older, but not necessarily, but it's like, no, let's really look at what's happening here. How are you short selling yourself? A lot of times there's, it's so easy for women and, and maybe this is for, for men as well, where it's like, oh yeah, no, oh yeah, no. And there's, there's so many options out there now, which is a huge blessing, but also I think um, there's a lot of great opportunities and possibilities that are missed because it's maybe starting to feel uncomfortable or maybe their stuff is coming up or they just want to jump ship because that's what they've always done. And then they're also not happy because they're not getting what they want out of their life. So that's why I always bring people back to their vision too. It's like, well, I'm not sure about, there might be some things they're liking and there might be some things that aren't really fitting. It's like, well, let's go back to your vision. Like how would this fit in? And part of it also is gathering more information, having the experience, going on more dates with that person to really learn and determine versus working it all out in our heads. And then we've already determined that they're emotionally unavailable they're a jerk, they're this, they're that, you know, that's where all the old stuff can come in and really throw things off. Interesting. Yeah. And I think we had touched on this a little bit, but you had kind of mentioned that the difference between like the internal and the external. Um, How do you, I think that we get a lot of questions from listeners that are like, this is an uh, a scenario I experienced. Is it me? Is it the guy? Is it the app? Is it dating in general? Is it because Mercury's in retrograde, you know, because something I talk about a lot in therapy is, is like, uh, is this me? Can I work on this? Like, am, should I remove myself from a scenario? Like, is, is this person problematic yes. or is it something that I am like allowing to affect me? Yeah. Mostly with my, yeah. So I think that's, you know, uh, uh, the big thing is like, is it the other person, the scenario, or is it me? And when do you break from the scenario and when do you work on yourself? Yeah. Okay. So we always have to start by looking at our side of the street, right? We have to look at what our hand has been in, in whatever we're looking at. So one of the things I like to do with people is really like, let's just write down the facts. We're just looking at facts, right? And sometimes facts get really clouded because the emotions get involved. So it's really important to just write down, you know, this happened, that happened, this happened, you know, whatever. And then you can also then write, like almost you can do a column for the facts and you can do a column for your, uh, the emotions. Like I feel hurt, I feel uneasy, I'm confused, I, you know, whatever, I feel misunderstood, I'm so angry, whatever it might be, right? And then, sometimes even just putting that stuff on paper, you know, cause it just flies around our head so much when we can really look at it. Sometimes that can help with the clarity. Another piece is I highly recommend that you talk to someone that you know, love and trust and say, okay, so here's this thing that I'm looking at. And it's a great time to talk to your therapist or talk to a coach um, or, you know, a good friend, somebody, someone who you really trust and, for some people, they don't have someone like that in their lives. So again, that can also be a good reason, a good time to have a coach or a therapist, someone who is really supporting you in your own process, because everything that comes to us in life is, is an opportunity to potentially learn and grow about ourselves. 
and often we're learning and growing in the same darn areas that we've been working on for a good share of our lives, right? It might be feelings around abandonment or trust or, you know, all kinds of different stuff. And sometimes it could also be just like, oh, wait, okay, so this isn't my, like, this isn't my, my issue. This is how I know I feel about it. And um, I'm going to let them handle it the way they need to. Sometimes we get too involved or we take over responsibility. Yeah, I feel like that was my dating life for most of my life, I think, uh, trying to grapple with this question. But then also maybe it wasn't even taking on responsibility, but really just taking on, ugh, I'm the problem. I'm, And in, in some ways, you know, when I give advice to anyone – or when we do, and we're not super qualified, we are not therapists, but just in terms of my own life experience, I think for so long I was thinking, I'm the problem, something's wrong with me, was a very typical refrain, you know, very easy to self-deprecate. And in a way, I always tell people, you know, nothing's wrong with you, it's not you, it's them, the thing that will work out well. But there was something maybe not wrong with me, but there was something I hadn't really dealt with in myself or made an effort with around dating because – a lot of the – I was kind of addicted to the drama of a lot of like half relationships that weren't really something, but I liked this person a lot and I I was like – I loved that it was maybe not going to work out. It allowed me to not be super vulnerable. Again, therapy kind of helped me deal with a lot of this, but there was something still for me to work on. I like this idea of, you know – getting like taking action steps like I really wish I would have just written down the facts because I would be a runaway train even just going on Instagram and seeing who this person I was dating was like also following truly um but writing it down talking to someone like these very um concrete action steps I think are just really helpful when trying to kind of I don't know reframe this not reframe a situation but zoom out and see the situation for face at face value. Absolutely. Absolutely. Kimmy, I, I completely agree. And I'm really big. That's part of why I love coaching so much because I'm huge on action steps. I feel like action steps kind of saved my life in some way, as far as after I had done about five years of therapy on my, my own and it had really changed my life, but I also wasn't stepping into the things I kept saying I wanted. And so by hiring a coach and, and I've continued to work with her and she's also, she's, brilliant and amazing. Her name's Barb Wade. Um, But to be able to have someone say, okay, wait, let's just break this down. What are some key skills or tools that we can use here? Or what is just one step we can take towards this idea or towards this intention you have is so supportive and freeing and helpful uh, versus sometimes just having it all swirl around in our heads and it's hard to make sense of. Mm -hmm. And Kind of recently, you know, this is the flip side. Maybe when something is starting, if you're dating, something's going on. We were recently speaking about green flags, the opposite of red flags, or just, Yay. you know, hallmarks of a healthy relationship. <laughs> it's, it seems silly to be like, what makes a healthy relationship? But I think it's really hard to know what to look for. And I wondered if you had any ideas around that. Yes, Absolutely. First of all, I love green flags. Like we need to use that more for sure. Uh, and part of why it stands out for me is because I recently uh, had a, did a webinar on common dating mistakes. Mm-hmm. And so one of the most common ones is ignoring your intuition 
and ignoring red flags. Mm. So the opposite, um, which we've all done it, right? It's like, oh, but he's so cute and he's so hot or I feel so good when I'm with him. But he's kind of a jerk to the waiter when we're at the restaurant and he talks really badly to his sister and, you know, these different things. That's like, okay, wait. So just to finish that little piece and then I will get to the green flags. One of the solution I have solutions I have for the red flag issue is to find yourself a red flag buddy. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a friend or someone you're close to or, or a therapist or a coach. I had a friend, she and I would meet like once every two weeks or at least once a month. We'd have lunch and we'd say like, okay, so this is who I'm dating. This is what we're dealing with. And then we'd say, okay, so what are the red flags? And we had to tell each other. And just by putting it out verbally, it doesn't necessarily mean that that friend has to be like, don't do it or like give you a ton of advice, but just hearing you and you kind of being accountable to your own word makes a huge difference. And so moving into the green flags, I think that that's a beautiful thing to do as well. Like, yeah, I want to celebrate and share and tell you know, the people who I'm close with, like I went on, I'm on date number three and this guy is, is pretty amazing. And he's, he checks in with me. Like I feel really safe or, you know, he's super consistent. He's an amazing communicator, um, whatever it might be uh, really important. So as far as specifics for a healthy relationship, right. That was mm-hmm. part of the question, Kimmy. Yeah. So, so communication is huge, right. Just that you, and part of the communication is that you, you know, have a pretty good flow and how you understand each other. But it's also, do you feel safe to talk about those more vulnerable, vulnerable things? Do you feel emotionally safe to say what's true for you and trust that this person isn't going to bail, that they're not going to make fun of you, whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. And mixing in humor is always a good thing in life, right? We definitely sometimes take ourselves too seriously. So, um, humor is important. So the communication, the humor, uh, there's also, this goes back to even the things that get in the way of, of healthy relationships moving forward is the idea of, of really giving. So I know there are plenty of us out there, especially a lot of women tend to be over givers. Like we just give a ton in relationships and you're kind of like, especially if you feel like you're not getting anything back. But what I see a lot with couples is they come in you know, obviously they've got some challenges going on, so they're wanting to resolve them, but they'll both, they'll sit with their arms crossed and they're kind of on opposite sides of the couch. And they're like, yeah, well, I'm just waiting for her to, you know, show me, you know, maybe we talked the week before about love languages or signs of, you know, what communicates love to each other. I'm just waiting for her to do that. And she's like, yeah, and I'm just waiting for him. It's like, it's a ridiculous standoff Mm. as opposed to, could I give a little more? Could I give them the benefit of the doubt when they do snap at me, when I know that that's not how they always are, when I know they are under stress? How am I giving in a way that really supports and champions that person? If this is someone that I love and someone that I'm connected with or someone that I'm even falling in love with, if I'm connect, if I'm committed to seeing this through, you know, maybe you're four or five months into this, um, what am I willing to give? Because I think a lot of times people are like, you got to show up, you got to bring to me. And that piece has been lost, I think. Yeah. Um, one last piece about the, if there's other stuff, but I will say that another important green flag is twofold. Does this person feel like home? I think that's just, we all know what that feeling of home feels like in some way to, you know, even those close friendships or those relationships. Do you feel at home with them? And 
do you want to bring them around your loved ones? That's a big one. Mm, that is very There's plenty of people who are like, nope, that's not going to happen, but I like them in all these other areas of my life. It's really interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's a really smart uh, metric, I feel like, because I've, I've been in both scenarios when you're dating someone and you're like, oh, but you're over here. And when yeah. you're dating someone, you're like, oh, my God, I, I want you to know everyone I know. I want you to meet everyone. I want you to be a mm-hmm. part of my world. Like, Beautiful. I never thought about that difference as starkly. I mean, it's obviously like it's symptoms of other stuff and blah, blah, yeah. blah. But I feel like that's such a great you know, thing to think about when you're maybe kind of like in the early stages of dating someone and you're like, I don't know. Um, yeah. And I've been there too, just to throw that in there. Yeah. I've been there on both sides and it's also a good thing to notice with the other person. Like they're not bringing me around their family and friends. Like, so, you know, where, where do I land in their life? Yeah, totally. Um, I also think it's smart to, I don't know. I think that the idea of like a a red flag buddy is so smart too, because I do think that like everyone has red flags, like my, myself included, you know, I think we're all a summation of our red flags and green flags. And you're hoping to meet someone with like way more green flags than red flags, but yeah, sure. There's I, always going to be, yes, we're going to, yeah. Yes. Cause I've had friends who are newly dating someone who have been like, Oh, I don't know. This is a red flag. And I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I'm sorry, it's not. It's not a red flag that he doesn't dress that well. You know, like, that's just not a big deal. Like, it's a, if it really matters to you, you can gently encourage him to dress better down the line. But also, like, you know, I think that it's it's great to get. I, I've done this where I've, like, listed off red flags to people. And some people have been like, oh, that's not great if you're embarrassed by something about it. Or, you know, uh, I, I think it's awesome to to get an outsider's perspective on those because sometimes I think it's about the stories we tell ourselves about who we want to be dating or, you know, it's a, it's a small thing in the summation of a good person, which like, again, we all have our garbage. I have plenty. Oh my God. Yeah. Yes. I said very well. Yes, totally. And I think it's true. People. So again, that's, a lot of my clients are quick to judge and, and easy to kick, you know, kick them out or throw them out, throw the baby out with the bathwater kind of thing because they didn't dress right. Or because they said they were going to call at a certain day and they didn't, which yeah, if there's a pattern, if there's a habit of that, not cool, but we gotta, we gotta live with some grace. That's also some of the queen energy that, um, that I think is important that I talk about as far as just cultivating more of our gracious, um, feminine energy that is it has the ability to receive that is generous that is loving uh Alison Armstrong is somebody that I've studied with and and she talks a lot about queen energy and how important that can be to be gracious but to also know our boundaries and and the limits I think Kimmy you were gonna say something yeah no but actually could you expand more on that queen energy because I think it's I mean it's relevant to all of our queens listening but no I really I think it's a very interesting uh concept So for some of our listeners that aren't as familiar. Yes, absolutely. So the way that Allison poses it, um, and and I've I've added my own stuff to it, but there are different aspects. There's some archetypes that are part of who we are as women. And one of them is the queen. And there's also like a nurturing mother. We all have 
kind of some natural nurturing that comes to us in certain ways. Um, there's also a, a sexy seductress. There's also sexual energy that we're all in um, possession of and use in our lives in various ways. And, and that energy can be used to draw men in in really positive ways. And it can also be used in negative ways too. Uh, but the queen is someone, literally, if you think about, like, if you were just to envision that you're like, you know, picture in your head, like what a throne might be like to sit on, like you can design the throne, like the way you want it. Like, what is it? The gold or the diamonds or the, you know, what are the cushions? What does it look like? You know, what's your court? Like all of that. And just envision that you're sitting there and there's like this regalness. There's, there, it's an empowered part of us as women. And often, um, I don't think that this has been cultivated or spoken to enough in our culture. And it's so important that as a queen, she is very gracious. She knows how to set her boundaries out further than closer. We tend to, okay, okay, okay. And the boundary gets really close. And then when it gets too close, then we snap or we, then we're, we're hurtful because we just feel unsafe. So it's about being gracious, just like, you know, giving somebody the benefit of the doubt, you know, letting them off the hook, but also not being a doormat. Right. So it's everybody, we all have to kind of find our own way in that and, I have plenty of clients who are like, no, it's this way or, you know, they didn't call and they didn't do this. So they're out. It's like, wow, wow, wow. Hold on a second. You know, if that's how you're treating them, what, how are you, how are you treating yourself on the inside? If you've got all these rigid, rigid rules, you know, like that can be a challenging place to live. So it's this gracious um, giving, but there's also this uh, an incredible ability to receive and to receive with, just deep and beautiful, grateful appreciation. So, and, and just holding a sense of gratitude in your, your life in general. I know sometimes I think gratitude gets, I feel like it's almost overexpressed or overused, I'm going to say. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things I like that Brene Brown says is she talks about a, a practice of gratitude. We've also heard the attitude of gratitude, but a practice of gratitude is really, you know, being grateful for, the little things in our lives, the larger things, the things in between. So receiving is huge. Like how can we sit back in your throne? Can you just be comfortable in your throne and let someone show up for you? The more that people show up, the more abundance we can allow in our lives, the more we're open to that coming as opposed to for, for women today, we live in our masculine energy a ton and it's for very good reason. We're independent. We make our own money. We do all this stuff on our own, which is, profound and amazing. And, you know, not too long ago, we were property and we were, you had to marry to survive and all this stuff. And as we take care of ourselves in these ways, we are our own provider and our own protector, which is great. And yet when we step into connecting with a man, when we've lived in our masculine energy a lot, we show up already being provided for and already being protected and I can explain those in a moment because those sound like very kind of archaic things, but I'll, I can give you an example. Um, but then men don't know where to show up in our lives. They want to be needed. They want to contribute to our lives. They want to make us happy in their own unique ways, whatever brand and version of that is. So when we say that I'm good without you, it's like, I'm good. You know, I can pay for my own dinner. I can open my own door. I can bring my own jacket. I can drive myself to dinner or I can take an Uber. Like I'm good without you. That's awesome. Cause we're surviving in the world as, as we should, we can take care of ourselves. And there's also just, there's not enough room for them to show up in our lives. So when we can receive and we have to be mindful too, it's not about 
I'm going to allow him to give to me or let him give to me because that kind of speaks to an illusion of control. There's a dating coach I worked with and she spoke a lot about that, which has um, been really powerful, but to just sit back and receive and see what shows up and, and be a gracious receiver. So does that, I feel like, yeah. did I get the queen piece? Was there any other part? No, no, I think it's interesting. And again, you know, we uh, always are kind of dealing with thinking about, especially because, you know, in a lot of our listeners are women dating men and how to be an independent, strong woman, but also be okay with the small things like a man paying for you and be grateful for those things. And it starts to be, if you look at it as a black and white thing, it starts to feel like, well, I can't be in my woman power, but also, you know, an independent woman or can I? Is woman power just evolving? And I think all of this kind of is, it's just reminding me of kind of the conversations around dating that come up a lot in our secret Facebook group and came up a lot around my friend groups throughout my 20s and still like the like, oh, men are terrible because many times there are terrible men. <laughs> there yep. are terrible everyone's, <laughs> but we must acknowledge I see some of the dating profiles. It's rough out there. Like there are lots of dick. <laughs> being slung around the internet so like we'll just we'll just say that does exist but it's so easy I think to pile on get negative have these super high standards for everyone else and as as anyone should but I think I used to get like that or be like dating sucks dating's hard it's rough out there everyone's a jerk as a weird way of protecting myself from receiving anything so you know I wasn't even thinking like female male energy but I think I I definitely did things like that so I think it's just like as painful as it will be to hear me saying like give people a chance on dating apps because I know everyone out there is and it's rough like trying to zoom out and take it like I don't know even if it's not a great date be grateful for, for the parts that were great or whatever I don't know that's really as woo as gonna, I'm gonna get so um <laughs> <laughs> uh- I appreciate that. I think that all makes a lot of sense. And that's actually another thing that just to, to speak to um, around, you know, dating's hard. Like I hear all the time, cause you know, I'm based in LA dating in LA is so hard. Dating in LA is so hard. It's like, yeah, it can be hard. We also just have to remember that whatever we put our focus on is what we're going to get. So if you want to see butterflies, we'll start noticing a heck of a lot more butterflies around, right. Versus, you know, the town I grew up in, it's surrounding areas. 20, my town with the surrounding areas, 25,000 people. I do not want to be dating in that pool, in that world. I would take dating in LA any day over that. Right. And that's also the beauty of technology. What we have right now is, yeah, there's thousands, thousands and thousands of people available to us at our fingertips through our phones. And with that also comes there's a wide range. Like there, there are some wacky people out there. There are people who are just looking for phone sex. There are people who are, you know, there's anything you're going to find. So it's also about being discerning. It's being clear about your vision. And it's also trusting that the right people are going to come along to give you the right experiences that are preparing you for that person or that person, you know, even by being on a dating app, we're also just kind of signaling to the world, like, Hey, I'm open. I'm available. I'm looking for, partnership, dating, boyfriend, whatever it might be. Totally. Well, I think that's a lovely, lovely note to end on. Great. Thank <laughs> um, you so much for all of this. Yeah. Flying. 
Molly, can you tell all of our listeners where they can find you on the internet, etc.? Yeah, so they can go to my website. So it's just my full name. So it's Molly, M-O-L-L-Y. And then it's my last name, Lyda, L-Y-D-A dot com. I can find me there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so, so much for being with us. And uh, it's been a joy and a pleasure. Thank you so much. I love this. And I love your show. It's been really fun to listen to. So thank thank you for having me. Thank you so much. Thank you. We're so happy to have you. And to everyone listening, we love you guys so much. And uh, go on a date. Go on. That's right. (laughs) 